the quantum mechanics. Yes, we are the quantum mechanics, the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. We're still here in lockdown in the UK. I imagine most of you guys are too. Uh, I hope you're all really well and keeping as well as you possibly can. And hopefully this week we've got something to entertain and cheer you up. Well, well, I, I think we're, that's a good introduction, Ben. I think we have. Because, Ben, I have literally sailed the seven seas for this episode. Oh, wow. Like, uh, I wanna... like OMD did, I think. I th- it was then, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure that was their finest moment, but I do remember that. Um, I want to talk about ghost ships. Oh, who doesn't? That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we always do this. Let's start off with definitions. Because when I think of a ghost ship... I think of something crewed by a ship crewed by the dead, like an episode of Scooby Doo or something out of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. Or I think of, you know, sailors out on a foggy night deep in the sea seeing this boat coming towards them in a fog that suddenly then disappears. Yeah, or probably it's got a bit of a glow around it. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a green, foggy glow, is yeah. what I'm coming yeah. at. But interestingly, in maritime circles, a ghost ship is basically a vessel that is found with no crew on board, which sounds like it would be a thing that doesn't happen very often. Um, But it does happen quite a lot, and there are a few reasons behind it which I'll go into. But obviously we're the quantum mechanics, right, Ben? So we're going to be looking at the spooky side of it, the paranormal side of it, and and the, the just the maritimeness of it the normalness of it because even the normal stuff is really weird yeah but i i've always thought like ever since i suppose hearing the mary celeste story when i was i was younger i think there's something really strange about finding a ship out at sea with no crew on it i do think that's an odd and spine chilling thing even if there's a perfectly reasonable explanation i think it's weird Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to start off with the Mary Celeste because it is the one that everybody has heard of, right? And and even to be ingrained in our language, we've we've been to enough clubs in our time, Ben, a long time ago, but there's been a few that we've walked into and gone, oh my God, it's like the Mary Celeste in here, right? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, there's pots on the stove and the sails are drifting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's glowing. Um, Yes. But it's a a byword for it's completely dead. Completely dead, completely empty. Um, Let's have a little revisit of the Mary Celeste story because actually I'd forgotten quite a lot about it. There was a few things in it that I thought, oh, I didn't realise that was the case. So the story really uh, kicks off with the Mary Celeste when it set sails from New York on November the 7th, 1872. And its final destination was supposed to be Genoa in Italy. Genoa. Um, Oh, I do. I went to school with her. (laughs) Um, This is the bit that uh, slightly surprised me. When you picture, you may have a different view, but when you picture the Mary Celeste empty... Like, how many crew do you think it had originally that disappeared? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. I suppose in my mind I would think somewhere between 
sort of 45 and 60, something like that. Yeah, and you know what? That was exactly the number I picked before I looked into it. I thought, yeah, no, it was a big ship and there were loads of people on it. In fact, it only had 11 people on it. Oh, wow. There was, yeah, there was the captain, his wife, the captain's daughter was on it as well. So there was the captain, his wife and daughter and eight crew and that was it. Good Lord. And so it set sail uh, November 7th, 1872. A month after it set sail, it was spotted by a British ship, the Dea Gratia. Um, and the captain of the Dea Gratia kind of looked at it like sailing there and just thought there's something weird about it, so decided to investigate. When he got closer, he saw that the Marie Celeste was set at full sail. I'm no sailor, but I'm assuming that means all the sails were up, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he decided to get some of his crew to board the ship. When they boarded the ship, there was obviously, as we, we as the legend would uh, suggest, there was no captain, his family wasn't on board, and neither were any of the crew. Interesting, the ship had no major damage to it, and it still had six months' worth of food and supplies on board, which is eerie in itself, I think. Yeah. This bit... I don't know if this has been lost over time or people... It doesn't help the story. There was a lifeboat and it was missing, which I'd never heard that in the story. No, I'd never heard that either, no. I guess it kind of takes away the kind of spooky potential to stick that in. But there was a lifeboat and it was missing. So over the years, there's been loads of theories put forward about what happened on board the ship. Pirates has been mentioned, but... I, don't, I was thinking about this. You could see a scenario where, yeah, a pirate ship might come up to you and the the captain and the crew panic and jump in the lifeboat and kind of try and get away. But surely the pirates would either take control of the ship or steal the stuff, which they didn't seem to do. So it seems unlikely, mm. pirates. Um, mutiny was put forward that somehow the crew turned against the captain, killed his him and his family, and then basically went oh my god what are we doing and made a runner on the lifeboat possible stories of giant sea monsters have come up but this one i like there there's a there was a story that there was an earthquake at sea that caused a giant wave that washed the crew overboard alien abduction theories have been put forward there is scientific ones uh, apparently they were carrying crude alcohol in the hold uh, and there was a theory that maybe the fumes, poisoning from the fumes, sent the crew mad and they all abandoned ship. So, I mean... What is crude him, alcohol? I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure I had some of that in Greece at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever happened to it... it, it it's become such a legend. There's something about it that has captured the imagination, right? Yes. And I, like, I, what is interesting to hear that uh, report about the lifeboat, which I didn't know about, the thing that I know is that there are apparently some strange marks on the hull. And right. that is something that is seized upon when one talks about aliens. But 
like yeah about both aliens and i think that's where the rumors of you know a giant sea creature or sea monster attacking it came right from as well. yeah but i i think the strangest i think the the thing about it is that it's quite haunting in that like all of the supplies are there there is half-eaten plates of food and yeah. there are no like sort of recordings in any logs about what might have happened but like things happen don't they like 11 people it's possible they all got really drunk and challenged each other to a swimming race i mean it's possible it's hugely possible well there's another side to the story which again i i didn't realize until i dug a bit deeper there are suggestions that the ship was always cursed so it wasn't always called the mary celeste it was originally called amazon and it was renamed the Mary Celeste after a number of strange incidents. Its first captain died from a sudden mystery illness, I think about a month after he took charge. He, there was an unexplained illness and he just collapsed and died. The ship, had, uh, uh, when it was called the Amazon, had also collided with another ship in the English Channel and needed like refurbishment and repairs afterwards. And many people who were on the ship as crew, told tales that it would mysteriously drift off course for no reason. So there was always a bit of a kind of spooky backstory to it, which I found interesting. And even, this is really interesting, well, even after it became famous, so obviously uh, it was recovered, it was taken to some port somewhere and refurbished again, and it did actually go back out to sea. But even its ending kind of fit; it was fitting of the whole tale. It eventually ran aground in Haiti. And again, people have suggested this was all a continuation of the curse or the more logical explanation. It was the captain and the uh, shipping company working together to do a kind of insurance salvage fraud, basically. Ah, right, okay. But the whole thing has this, I mean, it's just a huge tale of kind of mishap and weirdness. Now, I don't know if you took any ship, whether you'd have similar stories to tell, but it's definitely captured the imagination. Yeah, that that, that whole thing about um, insurance fraud and doing a job, every time you look into like some sort of mysterious thing on the high seas, that's what you bump into. I mean, that is the supposed real story of the Titanic, right? That and uh, right. I think it's sister ship, the Olympic or Olympia. No, I think the Olympic yeah. um, having been swapped to get the uh, to get the insurance money. Right. Well, I have got some other bits of that. That there are. There's lots of skullduggery on the high seas even now, which I'll come on to in a minute, actually. But obviously, as we do, we kind of look at these older stories. But I did start thinking, are there, you know, more modern versions of the ghost ship? And weirdly, there was a report this month of one off the coast of Cork in Ireland. So this I got from the uh, Daily Mirror. It was on the 4th of March, 2021. Uh, So this month, the month we're recording. So the headline was... A ghostly vessel was discovered off the Irish coast of Cork with nobody on board after drifting for more than 2,300 nautical miles for almost 500 days without a crew. 
uh, which I'm, I'm, I'll read that again in a minute because that just blows my mind. The Dizot vessel uh, may have been adrift in Irish waters for up to 43 days without being reported before it crashed into rocks off the coast of Cork. Investigators found that the ship, called the MV Alter, they found it completely empty after it had drifted for these 2,300 nautical miles in just shy of 500 days. They learned the merchant vessel had been abandoned by its crew 1,400 miles south of Bermuda in October 2018. And none of them thought it would be a good idea to tell anybody? I don't, well, the, the plot thickens a little bit later. So they fled the uh, the boats. So the boat was built in 76. They were on their voyage from Greece to Haiti. It seems that the boat became, it says, irreparably disabled during their voyage. And they just they just got off it and left it. It was last spotted in September 2019 by the UK Royal Navy in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean before its mysterious arrival in Irish waters five months later. It says here they, it didn't have uh, like an operational, they call it an operational automatic identification system, which meant it wasn't on radar or, it, you know, the authorities weren't alerted to it. I don't know what the why the Royal Navy wouldn't have boarded it or picked it up in September 2019. Maybe they thought it had a crew and just saw it and just let it go by. Yeah, that's, that is the strange thing. You'd think that they would have made radio contact. Or... Well, especially because that's quite a hazard, right? The Maritime Agency confirmed the ship's ownership is currently unknown. and The vessel was not registered for its final crewed voyage. So the boat travelled our oceans unmanned for two and a half years. I'm assuming if you don't register it and there's no ownership, there may have been something illicit on there, don't you think? Some some smuggling operation, it sounds like to me, but I'm no expert. Well, yeah, that's the thing, because, <laughs> like again, it comes down to insurance. Like, if the crew have to abandon, surely they would be like looking not only to recover but you know the the vessel itself but also yeah. get some money back for it yeah exactly well I'll, let me come on to that i will go back to some paranormal more paranormal tales in a minute but i'm just kind of keeping my thread of thought going cuz i my next thought after i read that story <clears throat> i i i just had this picture in my head of how many of these things are floating about out there without any crew you know, that one was going for two and a half years. It was on the water. And I, I've seen pictures of it. I will put it, we'll put pictures of it uh, in our photo album that we put up on Facebook. So if you go to at TQM podcast, um, like and follow as well. We like that. But I'll put pictures of this thing up. It's not a small ship. It's big. So then I did a bit of research about, well, how many of these things are on the sea? And I'll... I, what I'm going to say may sound a little bit confusing at first, but it, it will make sense. So worldwide, this is an article from the Guardian newspaper in 2019. Worldwide, between 2004 and 2019, 4,866 seafarers 
on a total of 336 vessels have been recorded as, as abandoned on board ship, which I'll come on to in a minute. Uh, these are records by the International Maritime Organization and the International Labour Organization. There has been a dramatic rise in cases so of abandoned ships. In, two, uh, in two, 2018, 44 ships were abandoned, while in the previous five-year period, an average of just 12 ships were abandoned per year. So they've kind of quadrupled in the last few years. Now, the reasons for this... Surge How do ghost... you abandon a ship? You do, just... Do you just you, jump overboard you, into the life rafts? You, yeah, you take off in the life life rods and just leave it. Sometimes you leave oh, it... Okay. In modern ships, sometimes you leave it running and just sailing. Sometimes it just drifts. So I started thinking, well, what, what, what is it about? Why, why is it increasing? So the reason for this surge in ghost ship activity, Ben, as we often say on this podcast, follow the money, right? Follow the money, yeah. Illegal activity is one, uh, so smuggling. So I guess if you're a smuggler and you're in one of these ships and you see a, uh, a Navy uh, military ship or you see the Coast Guard, you jump in your lifeboat and, you know, disappear, don't you? Because even if you picked up on the lifeboat, you know, you could, you've got a chance, more chance of getting away than you have in a big thing like that, right? Mm, yeah, definitely. Insurance fraud is another one. So I think uh, I get the impression that maybe unscrupulous owners may encourage the, the uh, crew of the ship to abandon it because they say it was sinking or that it was uh, in, uh, you know, beyond repair. Uh, and they know eventually it will. They can then report it as lost and claim the insurance. And this often happens. Mm. A lot of the abandoning takes place when the parent company is like in a difficult financial situation. Um, so I come back to the point that I started with on this piece. So I said that worldwide between two thousand and four and twenty nineteen. 4,866 seafarers on 336 vessels recorded as abandoned. So so many of these cases are actually about the crew, not the ship. This I find fascinating. Shipping companies are getting to financial difficulties, don't want to pay the crew. However, there is a kind of right or a kind of maritime law. I'm not sure how you pronounce this. I think it's lying. L-I-E-N, it's known as. And right. that law basically states that when the ship is sold on, so if the company that owns the ship, if it goes bust, somebody, you know, an administrator, whatever, takes charge of it, when they sell the ship on, they then have to pay the crew their wages. However, there's a little get-out clause in this law. The sailors lose their rights if they leave the ship. So the owners... If they leave the ship at all? If they leave the ship at all, they have no rights to their wages if the parent company has gone bust. If they stay on board, they have rights to get their wages once the ship has been salvaged and sold on. But if they leave, they get nothing. 
And if you think, you know, some of these people are on board these ships for months and months and months and months. Yeah. Um, so there was a story, actually, qu- quite recently, uh, of a ship that was off the coast of India where the parent company went bust and the crew knew if they left, they wouldn't get paid and they were told they wouldn't get paid. The crew were owed something like a quarter of a million pounds in total um, or dollars. Uh, And they knew they couldn't leave. And they stayed on board. There was a waiting game. They stayed on board for nearly four years. (gasps) Oh, my God. And people... And do they get paid for that four years as well? I don't... That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, But they they knew they would get absolutely nothing if they left the ship. So they stayed on board. Locals off the coast where they were in India were ferrying food out to them on the boat and charities were delivering stuff to them. And I think in the end... The people who the I don't know who it was who uh, the administrators I guess eventually agreed to pay them to get them off the boat so they could get rid of it. Wow! But it was a waiting game for four years. But you can see how this happens That's now. A heck you know, of a long time. Yeah. So it depends on how much money you're own, owed. But if your parent company goes bust, what are you going to? Let's say you're you know a third of the way into, or even less, let's say you're 25% into your journey, you're not going to go on. You know if you're going to go back, you know, you're not going to get paid. So do you just go, screw it, I'm getting off, I'm getting on the lifeboat and you can screw your ship and leave it. Yeah, yeah. So over 300 vessels have been abandoned since 2004. So not all of them are roaming the ocean. Some of them were towed back. But there are many that are out there. So I don't know. I just, I, this isn't scientific in any way. But you've got to think there's probably somewhere between 30 and 50 unmanned big ships out on the oceans right now with absolutely no crew aboard. Just, I mean, it's the terrestrial equivalent of space junk. I mean, this stuff must be dangerous. Yeah, especially if it drifts into shipping lanes and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And who is responsible for tidying it up? Is it the country of origin of the vessel? I think, well, there's a lot of debate over that as far as I can under In my few hours of researching maritime law, I think they are trying to make it the country of origin uh, because also people tend to register ships in weird places to get around a lot of uh, uh, legislation, I think. So I I think there is almost tracing the owners back to their country of origin seems to be what's going on. It's such a financial investment, A, in the ship and in the voyage that if something goes wrong, I guess it's a high-risk business, right? Yeah. Of course. So these are all like good financial reasons for uh, some of these happenings. Yeah. But have you found anything which is like rooted in something which is more terrifying? Well, I've got I've got one coming up which really chilled me. But before we get on to that, Ooh. 
Let's talk about uh, another one we may or you may have heard of, The Flying Dutchman. Oh, yes, I have heard of The Flying Dutchman, yes. SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, lo- lots of stuff. And, uh, yeah, so it, it did feature Flying Dutchman has been uh, captured in paintings, television series, as you just said. It's also made appearances in movies such as uh, Pandora. There was a Flying Dutchman film in 1951 and uh, in Dead Man's Chest from Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, I think it's kind of influenced quite a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean, this legend um, of the Flying Dutchman. But yes, it's a hell of a spooky tale. So it's a a mainstay of maritime lore. It's a legendary ghost ship that is doomed to sail the oceans forever since it can't make port due to the rough waters. Originated in the 17th century, there are a number of stories around the myth of the Flying Dutchman. Some say it's a cursed vessel, while a few stories suggest the Dutchman actually refers to the captain of the ship, who is destined not to make land despite all his efforts. There have been references to the Flying Dutchman for more than two centuries. The accounts of sightings differ depending on who's seen it. Few claim it was a, say it was like a spectral schooner sailing under kind of strong winds on full sail. Some witnesses say it's only seen in fog or rough water. Some say only seen in very calm waters or what they call it, the doldrums. But right from its early inception, uh, when the myth appeared in the 1600s, there, are be- there have been tons of reports of this vessel, especially around the Cape of Good Hope. A British Royal Navy vessel in 1881, the Prince George V, uh, is one example. A man who was serving as the midshipman as part of the vessel's crew said he sighted the ghost ship in Australian waters around four o'clock in the morning while he was on watch. Even though nothing happens, because, you know, this the whole thing about this is when you see it, it's supposed to bring you bad luck. Nothing actually happened to the ship itself, but the seafarer who reported the sighting met his end after falling from the top mast. <laughs> he was a very unlucky seaman. Um, <laughs> so this gives kind of credibility to the ominous nature of this story, I guess, and makes it part of the folklore. In another incident, a British vessel said it came near to having a collision with this ghost ship on a stormy night in 1835 when the halted vessel was approaching them directly under full sail but then suddenly vanished just before it hit the boat. Which would freak you out, wouldn't it? Oh, 100%, yes. That is especially, terrifying, especially in a storm, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Because you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, "Oh, it's a ghost thing." You just think, "Oh my god, it's another ship." Yeah, and then it's going to hit, and it never existed. I just find that incredible. There were the more recent, well, you know, not 1800 sightings. There was one in 1939. This is from a beach, actually. People in Glen Cairn Beach in Cape Town reported seeing the vessel sailing towards the shore under full sail. Again, before it was about to hit rocks, it disappeared. Gosh, so it's kind of a mass sighting. Yeah, that was a mass sighting on a beach. There was the last recorded sighting of it 
that I could find was during World War Two. There are reports that a German submarine boat under the command of Admiral Karl Donitz sighted the Flying Dutchman during their voyage through the east of the Su- east of Suez. So you know that's one from the thirties. So there's been nothing that I've been able to find uh, more recent than that. But if you look at that, that's kind of rumours of it start in the 1600s right the way up uh, until the 20th century, which is quite incredible, really. It is. And and do people always report the same kind of structure of the ship? Yeah, I think it's pretty similar looking. So there's lots of talk of kind of dark rip sails and... You know, uh, like I said, I think stories do kind of vary, including descriptions of the ship, but it's always seen, uh, seems to always be seen at full sail. And I've got the vision in my head, but I don't know if it's influenced by Pirates of the Caribbean of kind of ripped black sails in my head, but uh, there are descriptions that are close to that at least. It is interesting. And it's interesting how it's wormed its way into our sort of public consciousness as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, stories of how it how its fate was uh, first uh, set. Some say the crewman urged the captain on one voyage um, not to continue around the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. And, that, and then he ignored their warnings and that's what caused the ship to be doomed. And since then, that's the rumour that the crew, now dead, still man the ship and sail the seven seas. They're kind of, they're cursed to sail the seven seas. There is also another kind of folklore tale that the captain was a Satanist who struck a deal with the devil to keep the ship going uh, and to get the ship through a ghastly storm said you know if we get through this storm he'd done some deal with the devil you know that always doesn't work out right you can just see the devil going yeah yeah sure sure you can keep sailing but as ghosts it does seem like a short fire sort of a short-sighted way of getting through a storm it does doesn't it i mean you know i I would definitely recommend to any listeners out there don't do a deal with the devil he can't be trusted he really can't no no I mean, well, I, in a in a way it worked. In many other ways, it did not. Yeah. Now, obviously, we try and be a bit balanced on the quantum mechanics. I must admit, on this topic, I almost don't want to read out the sceptic position because I just love the romance of the whole idea. But I feel in in the interest of balance, I ought to, don't you think? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah, yeah. So sceptics say the logical explanation for the sightings is something called a superior mirage, also known as a Fata Morgana, which makes it a bit more interesting. Yeah. Uh, According to scientists, this is a natural optical phenomenon which occurs after moisture and atmospheric condition combined with light results in a displacement image of a distant object. It is also a trick, it tricks our eyes into seeing objects that don't really exist there. The phenomenon can be seen at sea, on land, or even in deserts, while it can involve almost any kind of distant object. 
This illusion at sea sometimes make a, makes a ship that is beyond the limits of the naked eye reflect on the water, water making us see a ship that floats above the sea. So, there, uh, again, we'll put this in the uh, photo album, but there was an example quite recently in the UK. Someone took a photo of a ship off the coast that looks like it's floating in midair about kind of, you know... 20 or 30 feet above the sea. Yes, and it's the, a tanker, isn't it? I saw it on the BBC News. Yeah, yeah. And it is, it's quite an amazing image. Uh, it, I mean, it looks like somebody's just done a bad Photoshop, but it is a genuine photo. Uh, but it's an example of this uh, mirage phenomenon that I'm talking about here. Doesn't explain it kind of heading towards you at full pelt with all its sails you know and it doesn't explain how you would see a sail an old sailing ship in the 20th century but you know this is this is the same sort of phenomena that is supposed to explain there is the uh mythical city which appears in scotland in the sky Every hundred oh, years. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, what is that called? Oh, I know. I, that, I know exactly what you mean. But mm. that, I mean, that's even more, isn't it? A whole mythical city appearing. You know, Brigadoon. Brigadoon, of course. Yeah, yeah. Same phenomenon. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I will definitely put a we'll put that photo up on our social media, the one with the floating ship, because it is really weird and it is a natural phenomenon. It's nothing paranormal, but well, I don't know. Maybe I just want the Flying Dutchman to exist. Yeah, no, I I think I do as well because it's everything that we know. Like Pirates of the Caribbean wouldn't be a film unless we all sort of understood the notion of. Um, ships pirated by ghosts yeah but what's so fascinating about that floating tanker photograph that i just couldn't get my head around is that the ship is completely uh sort of like you say bad photoshopping it's completely cut out and what i couldn't quite understand is why like you don't get any ripples around it it's like a perfect yeah yeah square bottom yeah there's no kind of Yes, exactly. So it hasn't got that bit like at the the front of the the hull. Or what, I, I'm no sea expert. There must be people who are into sailing going, he doesn't even know which end of the ship he's talking about. The front bit. The, the pointy the bit. bit. The pointy bit of the front, you know what I mean? Because you always see a bit of it that that's above the waterline that looks completely different. They don't look yes. flat like that, is no. what you're saying, I yeah. think. So it, it, like, it must have been a calm sea to have created that cutout. I guess, yeah, yeah. And maybe you need a calm sea for the, the mirage, which would explain some of the sightings of it always being seen in a calm sea. But then there are other sightings of it. No, it's only seen in stormy weather, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to get on to this story when I came across it. It just completely gave me the chills. This is the story, and again, I'm not sure of my pronunciation of this, but I'm pretty sure it's the SS Orang Meden. So this event uh, is said to have taken place in the 1940s, 
the precise the precise year does vary depending on the source um but according to the story the ss orang meden was a dutch vessel and it was passing through the straits of malacca when it ran afoul of a tragedy nearby ships reported receiving a horrifying distress call i'm going to read out the distress call now it says all officers including captain dead lying in chart room and on bridge probably whole crew dead it states then there was a load of unintelligible frenzied morse code and then the radio operator came back on and his final words were i die oh now rescuers found the vessel boarded it the crew were indeed dead their bodies were strewn across the decks not only that but they were found with their teeth bared and their faces upturned like towards the sun as if they were in fear so they their teeth bared and they were kind of almost in this fear like position right even the ship's dog was found dead, frozen in this ghastly state. It was mid-growl, as if, you know, something was attacking them. That's just the start of the mystery. Reports go on to suggest that shortly after the ship was boarded by the, the other boat that found it, and found this kind of incredible scene, that a fire broke out in the lower bowels of the ship, forcing all the people who'd boarded it and saw this this site, uh, they had to leave. They got back on their ship and the, the ghost ship exploded in front of them with such a force that it was lifted out of the water and then it just quickly sank to the bottom without a trace. And what what was the cargo? reports do vary on this but it is said that it may have been carrying potassium cyanide which could account for the death of the crew and the subsequent explosion i don't i don't know the chemistry of potassium cyanide it doesn't sound good so i think the 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 non-paranormal explanation is somehow the crew had been poisoned by their cargo and uh conditions were such that then it the whole ship basically exploded. Interesting. Interesting. And did are there any reports of there being post-mortems on any of the crew? Well, no, because everything was lost to the ocean, basically, at that point. So it was... Oh, I see, sea. of course. So, yeah, no, the whole, the whole thing just went. Um, I'm just having a look through other bits... I mean, that message is just incredibly scary. Oh, uh, here we go. Uh, potassium cyanide and potentially nitroglycerin... I can't say it. Potentially nitroglycerin was stored in the ship's hold, which would explain the explosion. But, I mean, yeah, you word. know... That word... That would make sense. There was also talk of maybe a pirate attack on that. But again, it, just the way that 
the site was described with how people looked, you know, either lends to some kind of weird poisoning or paranormal to me. I, I just... And the, those messages seem slightly deranged as well, don't they? All officers, including Captain Dead, lying in chart room and on bridge, probably whole crew dead. Final words, I die. I tell you what it does remind me of is um, the, in some way, the body is discovered at the uh, Diotic, Oh, I can never say it. The uh, Diotic... Hang on. Sorry. One more go. You can do it. Hang on. I just got to check. Hang on. Diatlov Pass. There we go. I asked Google how to pronounce it. So the way that you described the bodies being found, it reminds me of the Diatlov Pass incident where... Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, this is uh, happened in 1959. Uh, a bunch of uh, Soviet young people go out hiking. Um, they're discovered in peculiar situations outside of their tents in deep snow, deep winter, really cold. And the way that they are described in like the look of fear on their faces and that sort of grimace, um, teeth bared, that you're describing comes up in that instant. That's where I initially went to. I suppose when you look at it from the chemical point of view, it's quite possible that a poisoning could do that. That might be a symptom of the poisoning as well. It might do something, might have an erictus effect on the muscles of the face perhaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, I mean, we all know nitroglycerin is pretty unstable. I was just seeing where, where, where the boat because I didn't know where the the Strait of Malacca was, see if it was somewhere cold, but it doesn't. It's on. Uh, it's an Indonesian island off Sumatra. It links the Indian Ocean to the South China Sea. So, yeah, kind of freezing doesn't seem likely, does it? No. Well, another explanation, something that has come up with uh, the Diet Love Pass incident as well, is um, this notion of infrasound. And this is something uh, that yeah. a lot of people who are more sceptical on the sort of the paranormal side, you know, perhaps your Richard Wiseman types, would suggest does cause people to have peculiar, you know, hallucinations and thoughts and I wonder whether that could it be like a coast will never know because the ship sank, but maybe there was something, maybe there was a problem with the engine which caused some yeah. kind of peculiar infrasound to engulf the whole ship and made everyone completely freak out. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, either way, if you're the ship that gets the dis- that distress message, yeah, and ships up it. You know, I know, I know it's not a um, frozen wasteland, but it's reminded me of the John Carpenter film, The Thing. It's almost mm-hmm. coming across that. You'd just be like, what the hell has happened here? Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I just found that story completely chilling. But I'm going to end 
I mean, they, we've had a few ghostly tales. We've had we've had insurance fraud. We've had all sorts on today's podcast. The thing I can't get out of my head is the fact whether they're paranormal or not. These things are out there and just on the sea, which you know the sea is mysterious enough as it is. Let alone there are fleets of these ships out there. So I want to end by talking about the SS Bechimo because potentially it's still out there. So this is a phantom ship that may have been drifting and roaming our seas without a crew for decades. She was last seen in 1969, 38 years after she was abandoned in the Arctic. She hasn't been seen since then. Um, But that doesn't mean she won't be. So this story really starts on October the 1st in 1931, where her ghost ship status really started. So the crew were on a trip to Vancouver, and she became stuck in pack ice near the Alaskan town of Barrow, Uh, which in my research, I don't know if this is a good fact or not, is the 11th northernmost community in the world. That is a good fact. I'm not sure you'd have it on your kind of, you know, on your flag for the town. Uh, So anyway, so this this boat, uh, the Bay Chimo, got stuck in the ice, basically, on the 1st of October 1931. The crew stayed on board and the vessel broke free from the ice. Uh, But then on the 8th of October, so just a few days later, it got really badly stuck in the ice again. Now, this thing is not, you know, a little boat again. It's 1,322-ton vessel. And actually, the company that owned it seemed like a good company because the Hudson Bay Company decided to rescue its employees from the grip of the perilously icy environment. In all, 22 of the crew were retrieved. This bit amazed me. But 15 hardy sailors, including the captain, decided to stay with the ship rather than leave it. Not for the financial reasons, because they were actually off it, but they wanted to stay near the ship. So, you know, they're in this northern freezing environment. The boat's frozen in. So what they did was they built wooden a wooden shelter nearby and decided to take food off the ship and dig in for the winter. Which I just, it's nuts, right? Rather than leave, I mean, they could have gone. It must have been terrifying I, as well. Yeah, I guess that, you know, they say a captain won't, you know, is going to either go down with his ship or won't abandon his ship. You can see it. He's probably said, well, I'm not leaving. And somebody's gone, well, you can't stay here on your own. You're not going to survive. And suddenly you've got 15 volunteers. They build a wooden hut and decide to stay in the Alaskan winter and try and wait it out until the, the boat unfreezes itself. But then it gets yeah. weird. Uh, one night, uh, so on November 24th, which is what, just over a month after them being there, there was a huge blizzard. And when they 
when it cleared uh, the next morning, I think, the Beichimo had disappeared. It wasn't there anymore. And the captain and the crew thought, God, it must have broken out from the ice and sunk. But a week later, a native Inuit seal hunter found the crew and said that they'd seen the ship 45 miles off the coast. The excited crew tracked it down and boarded it, but it was in such bad repair that it was abandoned there and then and left to its fate. So then they just went, we can't take it back. We're going to have to just leave it. After that, she was sighted another 12 times, including in 1932 off Wainwright, Alaska, by a trading party. In March 1933 by Eskimos, who sheltered in her for 10 days during a storm. In November 1939, by Captain Hugh Polson, who was trying to salvage her, uh, and he was the last person to board the ship. In March 1962, she was spotted drifting in the Beaufort Sea uh, and was seen stuck in ice again in 1969 between Point Barrow and Ice Cape, uh, and that was the last recorded sighting of her and since then, no one has set eyes on her, but no wreckage has ever been found either. It's not known where she is today or whether the ship is still roaming our oceans, but the SS by Chimo did roam our oceans without any crew for at least 30 years. That's so weird. That's so weird. I just find that incredible. that this 30 years is enough, but this thing could still be out there abandoned in you know the 1930s and is it recorded the crew presumably they got back somehow yeah they were all they they all survived yeah the crew got back so there was there was no kind of death with it but i just it blows my mind to think that this thing a floated around for 30 years, was spotted by multiple people and could still be out there. Yeah. And I suppose part of the problem is once you've spotted it, like, it's not going to stay there because it's not now compacted in ice. So you can't, you don't really have a chance to, because you're going to need specialist tugboats, I would assume. So by the time you've gone back, found your specialist tugboats, like, it'll have moved but it's it, i'm surprised that there isn't like a a way of dealing with this like putting a gps tag on it or something yeah but, you think wouldn't you but, but i guess it, if it hasn't been seen for 30 years then there wouldn't be such a thing as a gps tag. yeah but it, uh, but even on those times when it's seen I, I again i'm no sailor but i imagine it's not easy to board a ship right if no, you're in I another ship so you know, so I and when you come across it, unless you're searching for it, you're not going to have that equipment, right? And actually, you're never going to come across it if you're searching for it. It's, it literally is finding a needle in a haystack, right? Yeah, although you do wonder, like, why satellites haven't spotted it. But yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. That is interesting, um, and also like. I wouldn't want to go on it, would you? I mean, God, because you imagine what it'd be like now. Well, that's the other thing about it. Even, I mean, we've had some kind of paranormal cases and some weird, you know, the 
some weird examples of dead crew and stuff found on there. But even if you knew it was uh, there was no paranormalness attached to it, I agree with you. Just stepping onto this thing that's just been I don't know what it is, it's just been roaming around on its own steam, mm. like it's got a life of its own, do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I do. But in a similar way, like probably they're not not whole craft, but um, in space, a lot of our old space vehicles will just be doing that somewhere, somewhere near, I don't know, Alpha Reticuli. There's probably an alien going, God, look at that. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to try to work out how to play that record on Voyager. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do with that? <laughs> He's thinking I'd get a lot of money for that on eBay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, again, it, it, it might be because it's a world that, you know, most people... Most people don't get to explore the sea in that way, do they? Do you know no. what I mean? On a it, it, on a a working ship and being out there for months on end. So I can't quite comprehend what that alone is like. You know, let alone that you might come across one of these. It just blow your mind, wouldn't it? it would. I find it. I, I find it very mixture of kind of very romantic, very spooky paranormal weird it's just got everything i think this topic yes it has i wonder if you this is just the side thought i wonder if you find it where there must be some law but like whether it's yours now and you can like whether you can claim it yeah i guess because i think there that is isn't it you have there must be all kinds of salvage rights yeah it's quite a specialized area though isn't it that kind of maritime law because again it's one of those things where you can't uh because it all these ships travel all over the world in all different places it's it's difficult to have a jurisdiction isn't it for the law which is why it's got its own bizarre rules and laws i think yeah yeah no that makes sense makes sense well, look, if anyone has salvaged a ship, then uh, yeah, tell us. you know what? I would love that. Even if we if it is not a paranormal story, we won't put it on the podcast. Just me and Ben would like to hear it. Even if no Oh, I really we, would, yeah. I'd love to know how it works. Yeah. Um and again, I'm very unlikely, but if anyone has uh, ever come has sailed the seven seas and come across one of these a first-hand account would be incredible, but I guess it's quite rare, so very unlikely. But you never right. know. Even, even a shadow figure in a rubber dinghy, I'd be fine with that. Yep, yep, I agree, I agree. Um, and I do feel sorry for those sailors who've got to stay on the bloody ship until they get yeah. paid. That's, that's terrible. It is, it who's is. Ever, who's ever in charge needs to sort that out. That's not right. Well... We'll start a campaign. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, I I don't know. I, I really enjoyed researching that. And I'd like I said, I just think that the fact that there is a whole range of right from the paranormal, even to the mundane is quite interesting on that topic. Mm, to me. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. 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 
good. No, I like it. I didn't know any of that story about the Flying Dutchman, and I think that's that's interesting. It, it'll make me it'll make me watch um, SpongeBob with renewed <laughs> interest. Well, I tell you what, that's quite weird actually. When you look at some of these stories, I'm, I'm, there's a bit of me that's scratching my head as to why the Marie Celeste is the one we all know. Because actually, out of the whole stories, all of the stories, it, it, you know, it seems the least mysterious out of most of the ones, the more paranormally ones that we've covered on the last hour. I suspect it's because it's the one that is written about in like early paranormal books, you know, like right. in in all of those sort of published in the 1970s kind of books that you would read in the school library, that is in all of them. So and, it's just the timing of the story. Yeah, yeah. And like even when you think back at it, like now I think of it, it was used as a jumping off point for um, English lessons at school, in secondary school. Right. It, it, like our teacher set his homework to write the story of what could have led to the Marie Celeste because it's kind of it's an interesting kind of like plot point that yeah, you can you can yeah. write a story around. So I think it, that's... yeah, it's like a who done it, a kind of creative writing who done it. Yes, isn't it? yes, exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's sort of it's uh, it has the appeal because. It's mysterious. There aren't any dead bodies. There's nothing in there which is kind of like you couldn't talk to a five-year-old about. So it's kind of got everything. It's like perfect. I am surprised. Now we're talking about this. I am surprised that nobody's done a film. Yes, I agree. I guess you maybe that's why you haven't got... Maybe that's the way you do the movie. It's like almost five stories of what could have happened. You know what yes. I mean? Because there is an, like you say, it's a blank, it's a blank page. So maybe that's, uh, yeah. Because I think Conan, didn't Conan Doyle write a story about the Mary Celeste? I think. Oh, maybe that would have been the sort of thing he would have done. Uh, yeah, it's either that or, um, uh, yeah, Arthur Conan Doyle wrote a short story based on the mystery, but he spelt it differently. I wonder if that was for legal reasons. 1884. Well, you know what? We can take it to the BBC. If they don't do it, Sky will. Yeah, we're in. We're in. Excellent. <laughs> Good. Um, well, we'll be back with more Quantum Mechanicness next week. We will. Don't forget, tell your friends and uh, see you next time. Yeah, cool. Check out us on social media because there'll be some good photos for this app as well. So see you next time. Bye. Bye. Are you the quantum mechanics?